Hi, I'm Dr. Amy French of the Delta College History Department. Today, our moment in time takes us back to 1908 in the chambers of the U.S. Supreme Court as they decided the verdict in the case Mueller v. Oregon. Justice Brewer delivered the opinion of his fellow brethren. Still again, history discloses the fact that woman has always been dependent upon man. He established his control at the outset by superior physical strength. The court had been grappling with the question of whether an Oregon law limiting women's labor to 10 hours a day was constitutional or not. The judiciary found that the law was not a violation of women's 14th Amendment rights. Their opinion went on to state that the limitations which this statute placed upon her contractual powers, upon her right to agree with her employer as to the time she shall labor, are not imposed solely for her own benefit, but largely for the benefit of all. As they said, many words could not make this plainer. The court had heard other protective labor legislation cases. Male workers had been fighting for protectionism for years. Although they had some wins, the court had been hesitant to restrict men's freedom to contract their labor. Now a case involving women stood before them. Women's rights activists were divided on the issue. Some, like Josephine Goldmark and Florence Kelly, who advocated in favor of hours laws for women, argued that without the vote, women couldn't protect themselves and laws governing them specially were necessary. Other women were concerned that the law would further erode a sense of equality between the sexes by putting women in a class of their own and enshrining their difference. The judges heard arguments on behalf of Kurt Muller, who owned a Portland laundry, where he wanted to be able to have women work longer than 10 hours a day. And the state of Oregon, who had been influenced strongly by the National Consumers League, had influenced that law. Muller argued that the law violated the 14th Amendment by depriving women from making contracts, by not applying equally to all persons similarly situated, and by not being a valid exercise of police power. The state argued that women were an inherently different class of workers from men due to their physical structure and reproductive capabilities. Therefore, protection was needed to protect the social welfare. In general, women encountered opposition to their work outside the home because wage work undercut the premise that motherhood was a woman's main responsibility. Society needed women to remain healthy so they could produce children. The court also did not agree with Kurt Muller's argument that women and men were equal as citizens, justifying equal protection of the law. They cited as differences a host of physical ones, as well as the fact that women were restrained in social, educational, and civic life. According to the court, a woman was in a class by herself. With their decision, women lost the right to contract their labor. Muller v. Oregon confirmed a legal difference between men and women. It enshrined women's dependence, placing them under state control, restricting their self-rule, and asserting sexual difference. They were protected as women, not given rights as workers, and their protection was dependent on the beneficence of others, rather by their own power. Women would be seen as secondary workers. Moreover, the court ruled that the governmental interest in protecting women's procreative value outweighed the right of women to have free contracts. The Mueller precedent would have long-lasting consequences for women, their autonomy, their work, and their freedom. Gender-based labor laws further segregated the sexes and laid a foundation for sexual discrimination in the workforce that lasted throughout much of the 20th century. I'm Professor Amy French, and this moment in time is a production of Delta College Broadcasting in collaboration with Delta's History Department.